0: Washington, D.C., this is on the ground. The rhetoric and result of the NATO summit means that there is no end in sight for the U.S. proxy war against Russia in Ukraine. We speak to historian and author Gerald Horn.
1: Ukraine will continue to be a pawn on a larger chessboard with no membership in NATO in sight. And
0: are we forgetting to say their names? Attorney Benjamin Crump makes a passionate plea for justice for A.J. Owens, a mother of four shot to death by her white supremacist neighbor in Ocala, Florida.
2: Just like we had to fight to make them say the name when Sandra Bland was killed outside of Houston, Texas, just like we had to fight to make them say the name of Breonna Taylor When she was killed in Louisville, Kentucky, now here in Ocala, Florida, we have to say her name. A.J. Say her name.
0: A.J. All that and much more coming up. Welcome to On the Ground, ground onthegroundshow.org, voices of resistance from the nation's capital. I'm Esther Averam. First, some headlines. Construction of a section of the controversial Mountain Valley Pipeline that would carry fracked gas through the Jefferson National Forest in Appalachia has been blocked by a three-judge panel from the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit. The ruling is a victory for conservation groups after the pipeline was considered all but a done deal when it was fast-tracked in May by the Biden administration and inserted into legislation to raise the debt ceiling. Completion of the 300-mile project has been halted by courts for years due to the harm it would cause in Virginia and West Virginia. It is a pet project of Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, who has business interests in fossil fuels and receives large donations from oil corporations. Ben Tietelbaum, director of the Wilderness Society, said, quote, time and time again, Mountain Valley has tried to force its dangerous pipeline through the Jefferson National Forest, devastating communities in its wake and racking up violations. We're grateful that the court has given those communities a measure of reprieve by hitting the brakes on construction across our public lands, sparing them from further irreversible damage while this important case proceeds, end quote, he said. The legal fight back was led by the Wilderness Society, and the Southern Environmental Law Center. Also, lawyers for other organizations filed a companion response representing 10 organizations in another case opposing construction of the pipeline. The union representing more than 160,000 television and film actors voted to strike on Thursday with big names like Meryl Streep, Jennifer Lawrence, and John Leguizamo signing on in solidarity with other actors and in solidarity with writers who are now more than 10 weeks into their own work stoppage. Both performers and writers in the industry are protesting unfair working conditions and compensation and the use of artificial intelligence displacing workers and reducing salaries and compensation. Veteran actor Fan Drescher, president of SAG-AFTRA, said at a press conference Thursday that studios need to wake up and smell the coffee.
3: The entire business model has been changed by streaming, digital, AI. This is a moment of history that is a moment of truth. If we don't stand tall right now, we are all going to be in trouble. We are all going to be in jeopardy of being replaced by machines and big business. Who cares more about Wall Street than you and your family? Most of Americans don't have more than $500 in, a, in an emergency.
0: Drescher said that studios, quote, plead poverty, that they're losing money left and right, when they're giving hundreds of millions of dollars to their CEOs, end quote, she said. Writing in Truthout about the recent Israeli assault on the Palestinian Janine refugee camp, attorney Marjorie Cohn said that the attack was the most violent military assault in the occupied West Bank in two decades, and that it destroyed 109 homes, extensively damaged the infrastructure, Leveled streets and created a power outage. About 4,000 Palestinians were forcibly displaced from their homes. She said that, quote, under international law, the occupying power Israel is not entitled to self defense against the people it occupies, the Palestinians. A UN appointed commission of inquiry determined last year that Israel's occupation of Palestinian territory is illegal and called on the General Assembly to seek an advisory opinion from the International Court of Justice, end quote, she wrote. And finally, switching to the U.S. and human rights in this hemisphere, a coalition of organizations is rallying in front of the White House on Sunday, July 16th at 2 p.m. to celebrate and defend the sovereignty of Latin American countries, calling for an end to the economic blockades of Cuba, Nicaragua, And Venezuela, demanding an an immediate end of massacres of civilians in Peru, and demanding that Venezuelan diplomat Alex Saab, currently being held on trumped up charges in Florida, is released. That's Sunday, July 16th, 2 p.m., in front of the White House. And those are headlines and happenings. Stay with us. This is On the Ground, on the ground Voices of Resistance from the Nation's Capital. I'm Esther Iverum. And as President Biden wrapped up his participation in the NATO summit in Lithuania, he pledged to support Ukraine in this U.S. proxy war against Russia, quote, for as long as it takes, end quote. And to help us unpack what this means and more about the summit is our geopolitical analyst, Professor Gerald Horn the Morris Professor of History and African American Studies at the University of Houston. And of course, you know, his most recent book is Revolting Capital, Racism and Radicalism in Washington, D.C., 1900 to 2000. Welcome back to the show, Gerald. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I guess my first thought is, you know, what does this mean to support Ukraine as long as it takes? Because we are looking at the most recent decision to send cluster munitions, these dangerous banned weapons, which sounds like they're, the U.S. is scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of what it has to use to support Ukraine. And of course, you know, the public here, as well as populations in Europe, are getting Ukraine fatigue in terms of the amount of money, the tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions, that have been poured into this conflict. So... I guess, you know, give us your your top line thoughts about the summit. And then what does it mean when Biden says that?
1: Well, don't believe the hype uh, for long as it takes is something that should not be taken seriously. First of all, it was quite striking and telling that this summit was held in Lithuania, which is, you know, a former Soviet republic, which now styles itself as the most anti-Beijing nation in the European bloc uh, and hold that thought because we'll return to it in a moment. Now, with regard to this summit, it was a real turning point in the sense because what it ratified is that Ukraine will continue to be a pawn on a larger chessboard with no membership in NATO in sight which on the one hand reduces the chance for World War III, because if Ukraine had joined NATO, there might be a basis for it to argue that NATO countries, including the United States, should intervene in a more muscular fashion on its behalf. That is to say, dispatching thousands and thousands and thousands of of troops there, as opposed to the US forces presently On the ground in Poland and to a degree in Ukraine. However, I think that with NATO giving a cold shoulder to Ukraine, it heightens the possibility that Poland, its hawkish neighbor, could intervene along with the Baltics, speaking of Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia, which would only encourage Russia to move further west because with Ukraine now being sent these high-level missiles from France and to a degree from Britain, Russia may feel that it has to move further west to make sure that those missiles, which oftentimes have a range of 300 miles or more, cannot reach Russian soil. And in any case, with Ukraine and Poland becoming closer, This also suggests a replay of what happened during World War II in the 1940s when you had these neo-Nazi forces massacring uh, Polish nationals, and you had right-wing Poles who, of course, lusted after Ukrainian territory, and that sentiment will probably be revived as long as the United States feels that the role for Ukraine going forward will be as a pawn in a frozen conflict meant to drain Russia so that Russia cannot play a more robust role as an ally to the big enchilada, which is the People's Republic of China. Speaking of which, also receiving a cold shoulder, per France, was the idea of opening a NATO office in Japan, Interestingly enough, uh, also participating in this summit were Japan and South Korea, uh, who took time from being at each other's throats to join hands, to encourage NATO to expand and open an office in Tokyo. But France, which really privileges its high-level economic relations with China, Uh, poured cold water on that idea. But the other news emerging from this summit was that Turkey apparently capitulated and now will acquiesce to Sweden joining NATO. The price to be paid will be closer relations between Turkey and the European Union, not necessarily membership, the best I can understand. But certainly, uh, more visa free travel by Turks into the EU bloc is on tap, but that probably will only serve to heighten xenophobia and Islamophobia, not least in Germany, the locomotive of the European Union, which happens to house a substantial population of Turkish descent. And in any case, given Turkey's uh, more than close relations with uh, religious zealots who have raised havoc and waged havoc in Syria. There's a possibility that these religious zealots might also have visa-free travel uh, into the European bloc as well, uh, which will obviously heighten tensions uh, with the EU. Similarly, We have been informed that Turkey will receive these sophisticated fighter jets from the United States of America, uh, which will be music to the ears of the military industrial complex here in the United States. But that only points up this contradiction in NATO, which is that one of the reasons why the United States decided to send these so called cluster munitions into Ukraine is because NATO and the United States. Concentrate heavily on these big ticket items, speaking of fighter jets, some of which have difficulty flying in the rain, believe it or not, to the detriment of producing artillery shells, which Russia produces in profusion. And to put it bluntly, Ukraine is on the verge of running out of bullets, which does not bode well for their further participation in this conflict. Now, for those in your audience who may be smirking at what I've just said, uh, keep in mind that there's an analog to Ukraine on these shores. I'm speaking of what's happening to Black America. What I mean is, is that Ukraine has been used as a pawn on behalf of U.S. imperialism and on behalf of NATO, and now it's being left in the lurch. Well, At the end of the month, the NAACP, the largest and oldest civil rights organization in the United States of America, will be holding its convention in Boston. And that should ring a bell because it was in 1950 at the NAACP convention in Boston that a monumental resolution was passed calling for a purging of the left from the NAACP, which was then the pretext for going after folks like. Paul Robeson, the late great actor, activist, and socialist, with a vengeance, which weakened Black America ideologically. But it did lead to many NAACP leadership either being quiet or supporting these US wars abroad, Vietnam and Indochina, not least in the 1960s and 1970s. But now that Black America, in a sense, has been a useful pawn and puppet, the Supreme Court is now deciding, per its anti-affirmative action decision, to toss aside the anti-racist measures as being unconstitutional and basically uh, throwing Black America onto the slag heap and basically treating Black America as if it were a pawn akin to Mr. Zelensky in Ukraine.
0: Well, I knew you were going to go there, but I didn't know you were going there quite that fast. I have a few more questions about Ukraine and the NATO summit, because uh, I was reading a piece by uh, Scott Ritter, and he was really kind of uh, focusing in on NATO. And he called the summit normalizing failure and uh, really referring to this stalled so-called counter-offensive right now and as you also mentioned in your previous um, statement uh, the fact that they're running out of bullets they're running out of of all these all this equipment that's just destroyed and well that's been destroyed by russia during this counter offensive as well as you know scores and scores of men and U- ukrainian soldiers so I mean surely europe can't be having the same playbook because ukraine is on the same continent and you know to the extent that ukraine is destroyed and it becomes uh increasingly dangerous in terms of a possible nuclear conflict all of europe is in the crosshairs you know it's it's right there in their backyard so we just continue to be amazed at how Uh, so much of European leadership, if not the population, is lulled into this increasingly dangerous conflict right in their backyard.
1: The point is well taken. And that brings us back to France, which has been objecting to the fact that with NATO mandating that member states spend 2% of GDP on the military, that's basically a handout to the U.S. military-industrial complex, France would prefer that if that 2% is expended, that it go to French giants or French corporations, French thieves in the military industrial complex centered in France. However, on the other hand, if you look at Great Britain, one of the reasons that Washington vetoed the ascension to the top post in NATO Of Ben Wallace, the head of Britain's military, is that he's more hawkish on Ukraine than the Pentagon is in Washington, if you can believe it. Mm So Europe in general seems to have a split personality with regard to how to approach NATO as embodied and symbolized by London and Paris. With regard to Canada, the northern neighbor of the United States of America, there was a stinging editorial in the Wall Street Journal on July 13th, 2023, attacking Canada for not spending more on the military. Canada also is being steered into a bruising confrontation with China, and it seems to be more than willing to acquiesce to being steered. So, it's too soon, if any were thinking along these lines, to uncork the champagne bottles and pour the bubbling because even though there was good news coming out of Lithuania that Ukraine will not be accepted, at least immediately as a member state of NATO, the tensions and conflicts continue to roil.
0: The analogy you made about Black America also makes me think about China because at some point as we've discussed many times the US was able to use China as a tool basically to make sure that China and the Soviet Union the then Soviet Union never united and to use China as a as a weapon as a tool against the Soviet Union but I know that the I think the Chinese foreign minister blasted this statement by Biden talking about Ukraine, saying that it was the United States is just uh, doubling down on the new Cold War. So what was your reaction to China's remarks?
1: Well, that's in the context of yet another failed visit to Beijing of the Biden cabinet member, this time Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen, following Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. Admittedly, Secretary Yellen had a difficult brief to argue. On the one hand, you have the harebrained hawks back in Washington clamoring for a war against China, some predicting that it could happen within the next 12 to 18 months. On the other hand, Secretary Yellen arrives in Beijing with her begging bowl, basically begging Beijing to continue to throw Coins in that bowl, that is to say, continue to buy U.S. Treasury bills, of which China has bought more than a trillion dollars worth in recent years, although supposedly it's in the process of dumping uh, some of that paper. And if China did dump its paper, which right now appears to be unlikely or continues to curtail its purchases, which seems more likely, well, then that puts more pressure on the U.S. government to either raise taxes in order to continue to pay workers from the Pentagon to the post office or cut programs such as education and health care, which in any case is a major vow and pledge by many in Congress. So Secretary Yellen uh, had a difficult brief to argue. I'm not sure if she argued it well, but in any event, her visit illustrates The dilemma U.S. imperialism faces in terms of this world it has created, whereby it's highly dependent upon a nation, China, whose government it would love to destabilize.
0: What other news stories are you following right now?
1: Well, President Raisi of Iran is touring Africa, Kenya, Uganda, Zimbabwe. The latter nation is particularly important in light of the fact that it has been suffering under punishing sanctions from the North Atlantic countries, not to mention Australia, because the regime had the gumption to try to roll back the fruits of settler colonialism by taking back land from European settler come invaders some of whom had only arrived post-1945. Washington obviously saw that as a threat to its own settler colonial project. And Iran has been one of the nations that's harried to the defense of Zimbabwe, up to and including a building manufacturing facilities in that Southern African nation. And I dare say that that kind of economic expansion and aid will be duplicated in both Kenya and Uganda during this present important journey of President Raisi.
0: Yeah, I wasn't going to mention this, but you know, since we turned our attention toward Africa, I have to say that I was, I don't know, very disturbed by an interview on Democracy Now! about the Congo and about the mining of cobalt in the industrial mining and what they call the artisanal mining and the just utter degradation and exploitation of people especially children there and the particular author that they interviewed really focused on the fact that China and Chinese companies, Chinese mining companies were the main companies on the ground involved in this, these projects. This really, they said one mine is the size of all of London (laughs) and Um, while it was acknowledged that the problem is that these big tech companies need to wipe out exploitation in any part of their supply chain, the companies, the tech companies were never mentioned, right? (laughs) The, the the corporations were not really mentioned. It was just a focus on the fact that at this bottom rung of the supply chain, the, the corporations that own the mines were Chinese. And it was just, it was, that was one part of it. And just hearing the stories about the exploitation of especially young people, one teenager who had, you know, is orphaned because of the cobalt uh, trade there. And now she's working in it and, and she seemed to be dying of HIV infection, um, prostituting her, herself. And she was only 15. Just the whole Story. I don't know if you heard it, but it was just so disturbing to me and just made me realize that not enough focus is made on the corporate role of these tech companies and that are, you know, needing this cobalt for everything that we use in our lives right now, from phones to cars to all any new gadget that is coming out that's digital.
1: Well, when you mentioned companies, I thought you were going to mention uh, Dan Gertler, who is an Israeli businessman, billionaire, in fact, who's heavily invested uh, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo through his enterprise, DGI, standing for Dan Gertler International, not only in cobalt, but in gold, iron ore, uh, agriculture, banking. Uh, It's possible even a whole citizenship in the DRC. Or I thought you were going to mention Glencore, which is headquartered in Switzerland, but is heavily invested in the cobalt and other mining in the DRC, and is heavily infested with the Europeans of South African descent, who, of course, have also established quite a reputation here in North America. Not only Elon Musk, but Rolla Botha, Sequoia Capital, of the Silicon Valley, and Peter Thiel, T H I E L, who grew up in. Namibia when it was legally occupied by South Africa. So, I'm surprised that the program you mentioned did not uh, spread the accusations.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for giving us a, a little a broader view of what's happening on the ground there, because it was very much focused that it was just all China and it just seemed there to be a disconnect between on the one hand saying that, and then recognizing that the ultimate beneficiary of this exploitation are these huge tech companies. Um, and they certainly aren't all Chinese, but in any case, um, I'll leave it there. I've been joined by our geopolitical analyst, professor Gerald Horn, the Morris professor of history and African-American studies at the university of Houston and I'm sure that so many people listening uh, picked up your book here when you were here for our book launch for you of Revolting Capital, Racism, and Radicalism in Washington, D.C., 1900 to 2000. Thank you so much for joining me today, Gerald.
1: Thank you for inviting me. Keep on the pushing.
4: Keep on pushing mm-hmm. I can't stop now Move up a little higher Some way or somehow Cause I've got my strength And it don't make sense Not to keep on pushing Now maybe someday mm -hmm, I'll reach that higher goal I know I can make it With just a little bit of soul Cause I've got my strength And it don't make sense Not to keep on pushing now look a look, look, look a look, a look a yonder. a what's that I see? A great big stone whoa stands there ahead of me.
0: But I've got this is on the ground, on the ground, voices of resistance from the nation's capital. I'm Esther Averam. Well, at a program titled A National Day of Outrage, attorney Benjamin Crump urged an audience in Ocala, Florida, to continue to demand justice in the case of A.J. Owens, a black mother of four who was shot to death by her neighbor on June 2nd, after she went to confront the neighbor about the woman throwing objects at her children and calling them racial epithets. The neighbor... A 58 year old woman named Susan Lawrence, who is white, shot Owens through a locked front door and was arrested and charged with manslaughter with a firearm and assault. She faces up to 30 years in prison if convicted on both counts. She is expected back in court November 1st for a pretrial conference, and the trial is scheduled to begin November 13th. Crump spoke July 8th at the National Day of Outrage in Ocala, Florida.
2: Kim, AJ's best friends, give those sisters a big round of applause. (laughs) Huge round of applause. Also, we want to thank these strong black women, leaders, Melanie Campbell, Dr. Barbara Onwine, Tamika Mallory, Angela Rye, All these sisters who stood up to say enough is enough with disrespecting black women. Just like we had to fight to make them say the name when Sandra Bland was killed outside of Houston, Texas. Just like we had to fight to make them say the name of Breonna Taylor when she was killed in Louisville, Kentucky. Now here in Ocala, Florida, we have to say her name. AJ. Say her name. AJ. Say her name. AJ. And you all as Attorney Thomas and Attorney Natalie Jackson, uh, another strong black woman leader, Attorney Natalie Jackson who is keeping attorney Thomas and I focused better than anybody else on the legal team. And we can't say thank you enough, attorney Jackson. It's important that we have Miss Pamela Diaz bring the children of AJON up. You need to see that this just isn't a yesterday issue. This is a today issue, and this is a future issue because for the rest of their lives, they're gonna ask questions. They need to know that we stood up for AJ Owens. Yeah. It is so important to understand that as attorney Thomas Attorney Jackson, let's talk about the manslaughter charges. You know, when you really think about that manslaughter is suggesting that it was just a a reckless act that there was no intent there. Well, you all have to go back and read the police report. You have to look at the fact that she admitted to the racial epithets against her children. She admitted to talking about this isn't the underground railroad. She admitted to the fact that she looked on her computer to see what stand-your-ground defenses were. She admitted that she told them to go get your mama. And so all of that was in a matter of minutes. And what it suggests is that there was the intent in her mind to do harm to AJ. And if the roles were reversed, nobody convinced anybody that A.J. Owens would not have been charged with murder, murder, murder. So why is it different when our loved ones are laying dead on the ground? And as Tarlisha said, all we want is equal justice. Nothing more, nothing less. I I think the manslaughter charge, Mr. Albert, when they suggest that, like it's not that serious it is a very serious matter when you kill an unarmed black woman for simply knocking on the door and you shoot and kill her and you don't get a serious charge the manslaughter charge in some ways as i talk to people around the country attorney thomas was like, it was okay. It was not okay what happened to AJ. And we have to continue to tell that to the prosecutor, everybody who will listen, it is not okay how she killed AJ. And we have to make that a rallying cry for this prosecutor to understand why we are so outraged. That if it was his loved one, he would be outraged too. So why is he mad at us for being outraged? I mean, they act like there's something wrong with us, Takema, when we say we pissed off about the charges only being manslaughter. But I guarantee you, if you had A.J. Owens on the other side of a locked metal door shoot. 58-year-old white woman, and the charges were only manslaughter. There would be outrage all over this state, all over America. So why are they upset at us? Because we're going to stand up for our sister. We're going to stand up for AJ. We're going to fight for AJ. We're going to protest for AJ. We're going to march for AJ. Because she deserves To have people stand up for her so her children know that her life matters. Her life matters. And so that's what we want her children to know that we're going to fight. I know Dr. Melanie Campbell, we are trying to engage the Department of Justice to look at this as a hate crime. Because we believe that's what it was. I hate crime. And, and, and Barbara Onwine, who's a great civil rights lawyer and a trailblazer, we fought to make sure that they bought not just state charges when Ahmaud Arbery was lynched for Jogging while Black in Brunswick, Georgia. And we were able to get the Department of Justice to bring federal hate crime charges. And so we want to do the same thing what we did for Maude Aubrey for A.J. Owens. And so we all have to keep raising our voice. I know I'm singing to the choir, but the choir got to sing louder. And, and Melanie Campbell, God knows, thank you for the Black Women's Roundtable. Because right now, we need black women to let their voices be heard. And you know, Natalie Jackson, it was, everybody thought all hope was gone with Breonna Taylor when they wouldn't charge those officers for killing her. Charge the officer for shooting into the wall, but then charge them for shooting bullets into the black woman's body. But thank God for people like Melanie Campbell and Tamika Mallory and Until Freedom, especially, who we just would not remain silent. And because of our perseverance, because of our tenacity and because of our conviction and because of our respect for black women, we were able to achieve a historic feat. When the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division leader, Christian Campbell, for the first time in history, had federal charges brought against police officers for killing a black woman in the United States of America. So we know... That there's a precedent, a roadmap for us to follow. So the only question is: when Tamika Mallory and Until Freedom, Takema, when are we gonna have the Mar- rally for justice, the March for Justice in Washington, DC for AJ Owens? Because we know as long as we fight, we win. And we will win, and we will get. Not just partial justice. We gonna get full justice for A.J. Owens. It is not okay what they did to A.J. Let them hear you. It is not okay what they did to A.J. It is not okay what they did to A.J. On your feet. It is not okay what they did to A.J it is not okay what they did to aj it is not okay what they did to aj it is not okay what they did to aj yeah we got to mean it we got to mean it y'all we got to look at these children and know that we did everything we could to fight for their mother because but for the grace of God it could be your loved one next it is all our fight Mr. Aubrey my daddy said it's all our fight and we're going to continue to follow the leadership of these strong black women Kima Robinson Tamika Mallory Melody Campbell, all of you all who have been leading on this effort, you continue to lead. Black women have always made the difference. and I know this time, you all will make the difference. Ms. Pam, everybody in essence, million black women who were there in New Orleans are all saying justice for AJ. Right now, they just want direction. So we turn into to, to and all of you, Tamika. Let's help direct these women because they know what Malcolm X said 60 years ago is still ringing in American society when he said the most disrespected, the most neglected And the most unprotected person in America is the black woman. And we have to change that narrative for our children. They can never ever think that it's okay to disrespect black women. We must cherish black women. We must value black women. We must salute black women. We must celebrate black women because most of us came from a black woman. And and Attorney Jackson said she asked A.J.'s sons if they wanted to sit down, and they said no. They want to stand up for their mother. So let's stand with these young lions, with their mother. Justice for AJ. Justice for AJ. Justice
5: for AJ.
2: Justice for AJ.
5: Justice for AJ.
2: Justice for AJ.
5: Justice for AJ. AJ.
2: Thank you all. All right, y'all.
3: Thank you again so much. Um, Next up, we've already heard her name called several times. Um, and she doesn't know how much I've admired her from afar. Um, she is described as one of the most hard one of the hardest working servant leaders in today's civil rights, women's rights, and social justice movement. I am very, very honored to introduce you all to Melanie Campbell, who is a native of Mims, Florida. You can clap. And a graduate of Clark Atlanta University. She is the president and the CEO of the National Coalition of Black Civic Participation and the Black Women's Roundtable. And, sister, I love you so much for being here. Thank you, Takima. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you to the pastor of this church. Thank you to AJ's family. I met you, Pam, in New Orleans. And your grace through all of this is infectious. As uh, my brother Ben Crump uh, said, and uh, Takema, I am a native of of Florida, just up the way, a place called Mims, Florida. And if you hadn't heard of Mims, Google it. Harry and Harriet T. Moore, who were killed in 1951 by the KKK for leading the Florida NAACP and registering black people to vote. I'm here today with my big brother, my one and only brother, Isaac Campbell Jr. I'm going to ask him to stand. Along with my sister leader from DC, Joy Cheney. Yeah. And right here in Florida, I don't know, I don't see her, but I know she was here, Cassandra Brown, who is with our Florida Black Women's Roundtable over here in the corner representing uh, Solandra Benton and the crew. But that murder in Mems, Florida, then was never, ever saw justice never ever was quote unquote solved. But I know we're going to, we, we know who the culprit is yeah. here. Uh, Tamika, where are you? I know I saw you all come in. Uh, Tamika Mallory and Until Freedom, thank you for <laughs> being there. Lesan and the crew from who showed up and spent a month or longer, longer than that in Kentucky, we know when the cameras was gone. The cameras are here, but we have to be here when the cameras are gone. Yeah. So what does justice look like? I know attorney Thomas, you know, he said that they're going to charge with manslaughter but we know murder is what happened. Uh, Susan Lawrence, I believe that's her, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right. The Marion County State Attorney called some names. Is Bill Gladson? You know he didn't do the right thing. But I grew up down here in Florida. I'm gonna be brief, because I know I don't want y'all to get the hook on me. They know they didn't do the right thing. We're here in this house of worship, do what's just. Do what's just. Do what's just. It's not on the paper. I got paper written down here, and I'm going to say a lot of things. But I'm going to let God speak what He wants me to say, not what I wrote. So we are going to go to the Department of Justice, Barbara on Wine, with Tamika and crew, and all of us, to demand that a hate crime. He laid it out. A sister poet, Aja Monet, said, say her name in a poem. Right. Said, I'm a woman caring other women. Behold a sister, a daughter, a mother, a dear friend. Spirits demystify. Zeta Elliott said about say her name. Said, say her name in solemn Solemnly now, never to forget nor allow our sisters' lives to be erased. We will not be erased. There are so many names we can call. Call the row. Rakia Boyd, Tanisha Anderson, Yvette Smith, Ay- Ayanna Jones, yeah. Kaleeb Moore, Shelly Frey, Miriam Carey, Kendra James, Alberta Spruill, Tarika Wilson, Sharice Francis, Chantelle Davis, Melissa Williams, Darnisha Harris, Michelle Cassell, Pearlie Golden, Katherine Johnston, Eleanor Bumpers, Na- Natasha McKenna, Shaniqua Proctor, and since 2015, those will be 2015. Sandra Bland, Brianna Taylor, now A.J. Owens. Say justice for A.J. Owens. Justice for A.J. Owens. Say her name. So stand up with me. I'm Baptist Last A.M.E. I can't help it. My mama's name was Janet Campbell, Ice Campbell from Shallow A.M.E. Nims, Florida. Say say her name. A.J. Owens, Owens. say her name. A.J. Owens, A.J. Owens Owens was a black woman. A.J. Owens was a mother. A.J. Owens was a daughter. A.J. Owens was a human being who deserves justice, justice, justice. And in closing, I say, in how we do in the movement... And repeat after me, when we want justice, what do we do? We stand up, fight back. When we want justice, what do we do? We stand up, fight back. Uh Uh-uh. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? We stand up, fight back. And when we fight, we what? When we fight, we win. When we fight, we win. Thank you, peace and power.
0: And activist Melanie Campbell will have the last word on today's show. On the ground, ground org. voices of resistance from the nation's capital. You can contact us, work with us, support us, and listen to all of our current and past shows on the website we maintain, org. If you like the show, let us know by liking us on Facebook, Twitter, or on Patreon.com forward slash on show. The music we played this hour included... Never Make a Move Too Soon by B.B. King. Keep On Pushing by Curtis Mayfield and The Impressions. Our theme music is Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. I'm Esther Rivera. Until next time, take good care and keep raising your voice. Peace. the ground is a totally listener sponsored supported show and we are in need of your support if you rely on the show if you listen to the show you come to look forward to what we are able to offer every week please support us on patreon at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash on the ground show and you can also give on our website through paypal or other means if you want to send a check all that information is there but please please support us i want to thank our supporters on patreon so much and for those who are already supporting if you can tell a friend who you know would love to sign up we need the support patreon.com forward slash on the ground show or go to on thank you